Look at you hearty and hale people. There's no heat in here. You lost an hour of sleep. And here you are, ready for church. So good to see all of you this morning. I have just a couple of announcements before we get underway. As you may know, during Lent, we are offering little pop-up mission events, and one has happened to pop up this very morning in the parlor. If you would like to take a few moments after worship, you can go out there and put together welcome kits for children who are at the Ronald McDonald House or for families who are moving out of homelessness and transitioning into homed life through Next Step Homeless Services, two different types of kits. Keely will be out there to help you. Uh, So anyway, if you want to spend a few minutes putting those together after worship, you're more than welcome to do so. We have a couple of other Lenten events uh, happening this week. We will have morning prayers on Wednesday here in the chapel. We will also have our bakery district class wherein we will be talking about uh, the book of the week. This week's book is about worship. The day before that, on Tuesday, we will have women's ministry Bible studies here at the church. So lots of stuff, as usual, happening here at First Presbyterian. Glad to have you in this room. Glad to have you online. Let us prepare our hearts for the worship of Almighty God.
Our call to worship comes from Psalm 95. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Let us pray. Lord, we give you all praise and adoration in this sanctuary, in this sacred place. For we are the sheep of your hand. We thank you for your care. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence in our lives and in this world. And we pray that in this time of worship, we would listen for your voice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our first hymn.
Let us confess before God and one another. Our prayer of confession is written in our bulletin and on the screen. Please join me. Loving and gracious God, help us to be ever mindful of our sins during this Lenten season. Open our eyes to the ways in which we have sinned against you and against one another. We have hoarded our wealth, hated our enemies, ignored our neighbors, and forsaken your word. Forgive us, O Lord, that through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, we might be made new once more. Transform our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You heard that chorus in the great hymn we just sang, which is such a prayer in our lives. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage, lest we miss thy kingdom's goal. That is our prayer of confession every day. And I offer to you the good news of Jesus Christ, of the God of grace and God of glory, that you are forgiven of the sin that would keep you from the kingdom's gold. You are forgiven of that sin. And God asks you to be a person of peace now so that you will hit the kingdom's goal. Know that you are forgiven and be people of peace. Let's sing our Linton hymn. Half of you were on board with it, half of you weren't. It's all right. Let's pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have two scripture readings for you this morning. The first to us, first comes to us from the book of Exodus. We're in chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. I invite you to listen to God's word to us this morning. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people. And take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. 
Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now our second reading, it is the first ten verses of the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the, coins that I had lo- the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I found out a few weeks ago that my cousin has been put in prison. Now, I haven't seen this cousin very many times over the course of my life, but it was a bit jarring to hear that a family member had been incarcerated. I've been thinking a fair amount about her since I found this out, and I think it's worth considering her today as we consider this passage. Why? Why consider her in a passage about coins? Well, I've been working with the youth on trying to help them to understand how to read the Bible on a basic level, and one of the things that I often point out to them is that context matters. We can't just pull passages out of Scripture. We have to know the context into which they were spoken. So instead of just reading you the three verses about the lost coin, I stretched this out so that you would get the full context because it's important that we know who Jesus was talking to when he gave these parables. It was the Pharisees. It was people like me, the religious leaders of the day. They were observing Jesus and looking at his ministry, and one of the things they noticed is that some of the most detestable people, to use the appropriate word for it, were showing up at all of his talks. And not only were they showing up, Jesus was actually having dinner with them. Now, I had a preaching professor who told us in seminary that if you ever use the line, aren't we all like the Pharisees in a sermon, he would fail us. So we are not all like the Pharisees. We are not the Pharisees. However, I was trying to think of the best way that I could describe the Pharisees' feelings about these tax collectors to you. See, the tax collectors... These are bad people. 
The tax collectors were some of the most detestable people of the day. They were awful. Do you know what they did? Do you know what the tax collectors were doing? They were collaborating with the occupying Romans. The Roman Empire had come in. They had taken over Judea. They had put the Jews under their thumbs. They had taxed them. They had restricted their religious practices. They had conscripted their young men into their legions. In order to collect those taxes, they recruited people from the local population. And they said, give us our taxes, and then you can keep the rest. The tax collectors were Jewish people who were taking the money that their neighbors earned with their sweat and with their labor and with their toil, and they were putting into their pocket what they didn't send up to the Roman occupiers. The tax collectors were awful, awful people. So when the Pharisees looked at them, when the Pharisees saw them, when they saw the tax collectors coming to Jesus, and when they saw Jesus going to dinner at their houses, they were justifiably angry. And the best parallel I can think of in our society today for how the Pharisees felt about the tax collectors is how you and I feel about felons. People who have committed crimes, people who have done wrong by society, people who have been justifiably and righteously incarcerated. When most of us think about prisoners at all, we think that they are getting what they deserve, and most of the time, we are correct. So Jesus has this crowd around him, and he's talking to them, and he's eating with them, and the Pharisees come, and they see who has gathered around Jesus, and they see who he's eating with, and they condemn him for it, not unjustifiably, and then, then Jesus says, let me tell you this story. And so he says, there was a woman who had ten silver coins. Now, ten, that's pretty good. If you have ten dollars and you lose one, you might look for it, but really you think to yourself, I still have nine, right? But not her. She has her ten coins. She loses one of the coins. And so then what does she do? First, she lights a lamp to bring light into the darkest parts of her house to look in every nook, in every cranny, in every corner, in every cupboard. Then not finding the coin still, she continues to look. She brings out her broom. She sticks it underneath the furniture, digs deep into the corners of every room, looking for the coin, that one coin, looking for that one coin to add back to the nine until she finds it. So when the Pharisees grumble about tax collectors and sinners, or when you and I grumble about people in prison, this is the story. This is the story that Jesus gives to us. And it reminded me of a scene from one of my favorite movies. It's a movie called No Country for Old Men. It's a Coen Brothers movie. It's based on a book by Cormac McCarthy. 
And the antagonist in that movie is the embodiment of evil. His name is Anton Chigurh, and he's incredibly ominous throughout the film, incredibly violent. So one time, Chigurh is at a gas station in the middle of West Texas, the middle of nowhere, and he walks into this run-down and dilapidated old gas station, and he sees a run-down and dilapidated old gas station attendant in there, and he starts to talk to them. Now, we know, this is halfway through the movie, we know the peril, the jeopardy that the gas station attendant is in. And Shigur asks him to do one thing. He flips a coin up in the air, and he covers it with his hand, and he says, call it. Now, the gas station attendant is flustered. He's confused. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what's happening in front of him, but we know. We know every time Shigur kills somebody in the film, he flips a coin first, asks them to call it, and if they get it wrong, they die. So his hand is covering the coin, and he's telling the man, you have to call it. You have to call it. Finally, the man says, okay, heads. And Shigur looks underneath his hand, and he almost is relieved. He says, oh, it's heads. And he slides the coin back across the counter to the man. The man reaches out to pick up the coin, and he goes to put it in his pocket. And Shigur says to him, what are you doing? Don't do that. Don't put it in your pocket with all the other coins. Then it's just another coin. It's just another coin if you put it in the pocket. Don't put it in your pocket. That's your lucky coin. That's your best coin. It's not just a coin. not just a coin. We can imagine, right? We can imagine that the woman tore through her house. We can imagine that she spent hours and hours looking for the coin. And we can imagine that forever and always, that coin was the special one. That was the coin she had added back to the rest. We can imagine that she set it aside. It wasn't just a coin. It wasn't just a coin. It wasn't like the other nine. It wasn't just a coin. It was the coin. It was the coin that she had lost and the coin that she had found. It's not just a coin. Because here's the thing, right? All of us have felt at some point in our lives as though we were functionally or practically disposable. All of us have felt that way, maybe once, maybe twice, maybe just for a moment over the course of our lives. Over the course of our lives, at some point, we felt as though we had little value relative to the rest of the people around us. And maybe we felt that way for a minute. Maybe we felt that way for an hour. Maybe we felt that way for years. Maybe we still feel that way this morning, but we have felt that way before. We have felt as though we were just another coin, just one of many, just another sheep, just another coin. No one had any interest any longer in looking for us in this dark, dusty little corner where we had been placed. We were just another coin. But God looks. God looks. God can have 99 sheep and goes looking for the one. God can have nine coins and goes looking for the one. God goes looking for the one. We worship a God who goes and looks for the one. We worship a God who goes and looks for the one. Because it's not just another coin. None of us are just another coin. All of us, everyone, all of us. 
The Pharisees, they looked at it. They looked at the situation. Those tax collectors had made their choice. They had made their choice. They had enriched themselves. They had made themselves wealthy. They had taken advantage of their neighbors. There was no way back for them. There was no way back. They had made their choice for the rest of their lives. They would be tax collectors. And Jesus said to them, they're not just a coin. They're not just one of many. And I think about my cousin. And I think about my cousin. And I think about her in prison. She's 22. She'll be eligible for parole in June of 2027. What are you going to be doing in 2027? I don't know. But I know what she'll be doing. She'll be waiting for her parole date. Will I still be thinking of her? Will I still be considering what she's doing? I don't know. I don't know. But the story tells me that God will. The story tells me that God will. When the tax collectors were sitting there and the Pharisees and the scribes gathered round and they looked at the tax collectors and they said, why are you with them, Jesus? Why do you care about them, Jesus? He told them this story. He told them this story. That there was a woman who had ten coins. And she lost one. And she didn't stop looking until she found it. It's not just a coin. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, each of us knows someone who is lost or who feels disposable or forgotten. And today, that might even be us that we feel that way. Speak to us again, we pray, your words of life, your good news, that you are the God who seeks the one. We pray for that in our own lives. We pray for that in those lives of those around us that we know need finding. We offer those names and situations to you in our prayers today. We pray for your world this day, Lord, for the parts of it that are in our neighborhood and parts halfway around this world. 
all of the places where your people are in need this day. We pray for your presence. We pray for your finding. For those who suffer under storms, under war, under poverty, under grief, the list could go on and on, Lord, you know it could. And we know that you love this world. And so we offer it in prayer to you. We thank you that you have promised to hear us when we pray and to promise, even if we are unable to pray, that your Holy Spirit will pray for us. We thank you for that promise. We offer to you now particular people, particular situations, and we pray for them aloud and in the silence of our hearts and with the help of your Holy Spirit. Hear our prayers. We also give you thanks and praise for the blessings in our life, for the blessings that you shower upon this world. Help us to see them. Help us respond with gratitude to them. We thank you, and we offer to you the blessings we have felt from you this week. You have carried us this far, Lord. Carry us further, we pray. Give us every gift of your Holy Spirit that we will need in the coming day, in the coming week, in the coming hours. It is in your name that we offer this prayer. And together we pray as you have taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This offering of music is to the glory of God.
Let us pray. Lord, take the offering of music, of prayer, of word, of silence. Take the offering of our worship, we pray, and make it holy and acceptable in your sight. And take the offering of our very lives, we pray, our time, our treasure, our energy, our effort. Take the offering of our lives and make them holy and acceptable in your sight. This is our prayer. Amen. Now, my friends, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Share Christ's peace with one another.